You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We are about to break the surly bonds of gravity and punch the face of God. I wish I was a little bit Left taller, Jab Productions present Edge of Sports bit. Radio, where sports and politics collide. And now your host, Dave Zarin. The Schmada Kid. Boom! Again, I am not Dave Zavin, thankfully. My name is Daniel Baker. You know me as DC Dan, and this is Edge of Sports Radio alongside, as always, the wonderful coach Kevin McNutt, who is, uh, did you did you beat him again at basketball? Is that oh, why he's not here? Oh, man, you know, he's soft, man. We'll talk about him later. Let's move on to real people. Real people. <laughs> not a real person. <laughs> real people. You know him as the football messiah. That's my and man. he is just an absolute heaven right now. Uh, football is back. Me and Mark Berry. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing pretty well. I'm, it, it's... I, I'm trying real hard to love football, and I think I'm doing it okay right now. Yeah, I'm doing the, okay. A, a lot of people are struggling with that. Should we love football? Should we not love football? What's going on on the field, off the field? Adrian Peterson, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? The Vikings are pancaking faster than Dave on his NFL preseason picks. <laughs> There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. We're going to cover it all. Dave will join us from the road. He's on assignment, special, super secret, double probation assignment. Nice. Well and done, <laughs> so, so we'll get to him a little bit later. We'll also be speaking to a senior editor at Slam Magazine, and I do not want to butcher his name on air right now, so I'm going to wait, ask him when I get him on the phone before he comes on the show to ask him how to pronounce his name, but there's so much going on. U.S. just won the FIBA World Cup gold medal. No surprise that there. They won every single game by at least 20 points. If you didn't know this, the USA is really, really, really good at basketball, mm-hmm. and we'll cover uh, all that's going on there. Look ahead to the NBA regular season that's coming up also touch a little bit what we missed last week in terms of the Hawks and all that's going on there with Danny Ferry and the comments made by the owner and GM and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. We'll cover it all here on Edge of Sports Radio, but real important question because you know Dave's not here. How'd you do in fantasy, guys? Well, uh, uh, <clears throat> I'd rather not. 0-2. Uh, <laughs> oh 
I'm not feeling good at all. I'm doing slightly better than coach. So not 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 great, but I'm I'm doing okay. Season's going to turn. You must be doing well cuz you were up the question, DC. I'm I'm doing okay in the league that I am also in with Mark. I am 2 and 0, I believe in uh, oh top of the league, but there's another well league I'm 0 and 2. It's really, you know, it's fantasy. Sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. You don't put are... too much stock into it. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah. Fantasy guys... football is fun, just like Edge Sports Radio is fun. <laughs> we're having a great time. We got to go to break though. You can follow us at Edge of Sports on Twitter. We'll be right back after this. Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. We'll return after this. Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Welcome back. <laughs> we are ready to roll here. This is Edge of Sports Radio. I'm Coach, and we've got Mark Berry and D.C. Dan. And uh, this seven, we're going to keep it. Dave's going to join us in a little while, as well as the editor from Slam Magazine. So you know Dave's fired up, and he's going to have a lot to say. We're just going to let him roll, and he'll be on automatic pilot talking about, I'm sure, Adrian Peterson and Ray Rice and how to handle this thing. And where is Roger Rabbit? So we'll, we'll, we'll settle that. Right now, we're going to talk about a few other things that's happened in sports. There are other things besides the NFL. One thing that comes to mind, Jameis Winston. Uh, he just got in trouble again. Uh I'm not sure exactly what he said. It's, uh, it's something we can't say on the radio. Understood. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, again, here's my thing. Uh, because I, they were hammering him there on, on the radio, and on, on the sports talk radio, and so forth and so on. <clears throat> you know, <laughs> one minute you have uh, Monet Davis on the cover of Sports Illustrated, Mark, mm-hmm. in D.C. Then you turn around, and, and she's 14, and I disagree that she should not, she not, she should not have been on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Uh, for a multitude of reasons. But the biggest one, as it ties into Jameis Winston, is that, um, you know, these are youthful people and they're going to make youthful mistakes. And so now what I see Jameis Winston doing here is sophomore stuff, uh, the, the the lobster carry out uh, what he tried, you know, okay, he's, he's not thinking, but he's 20. I'm stepping aside from the allegations on the big stuff. Uh, you know, that's a whole different level. But I'm talking about the, the sophomore prank stuff that he's doing now. He is just nineteen twenty. Johnny Manziel, the way he acted in his sophomore year, I don't, I, you know, how can you have it one way where, you, where you're on the cover of sports at 14 and then you want to crucify him for making sophomore mistakes at 14? I'll just open that and leave it. You guys go. I don't care which one you want to. Well, a question I have for you then, Coach, mm-hmm. is does that, does the fact that you're, you're saying, well, he's only 19 or 20, so... Should we be saying what when whenever there's another athlete who does act like an adult and act, and is very mature, should we law, law them for doing that, or say that's the exception, or should that be the rule? Well, again, most most of these young athletes are uh, are running a straight and narrow course, and, and, and to applaud it. But when they make a mistake like this, what he jumped on the table and said what he said, I don't see that. I don't even see the. I don't see why he should miss the half of the game. I'm just saying he's young, but because it's Florida State, they're number one. He's won a title already. Uh oh, let's do something. Uh Oh, he's he's run out of control. And then you had the incident at the uh, at the um, at the grocery store. 
I don't know. And then fourteen year old on the cover sports of the trade. I don't know. Go. I mean, tell me out, Mark. Yeah, I I think that Jameis Winston has opened himself up to these sorts of criticisms. Mm-hmm. I think that the prior his prior accusations and his probably most most likely raping the woman. I, I, I'm, I'm like, leaving that one alone. I said I, I'm leaving I, that one alone. I understand. Right. I understand. But right. having something like that happen so early and then talk about how you're an upstanding individual, every single thing that you're going to do afterwards is going to be judged based mm-hmm. off of that. Right. The fact He's that in the, the NCAA exactly, but right. the fact that the NCAA has punished him, I mean, even though small as it is, for stealing the crab legs and for jumping on a table and doing these things, it proves, I mean, it shows just the completely backwards nature of what should be penalized. I mean, all these are definitely token things, so you can feel a little bit better that we've suspended him for a half, but we know that we should be that we should be after him for the thing that happened beforehand that we're not talking about right now. <laughs> the NCAA, everybody. You can say a bad word and get suspended for a half, but allegations of rape? Nothing. Well, no, I mean, no, wait a minute. Hold on, baby. Let's, let's be clear let's now. The, the NCAA did nothing. This was this was Florida State this saying Florida State. that had nothing Absolutely. to do with the NCAA. I mean, the NCAA had something to do with the with the Crab Lake suspension. Oh, is that right? I believe so. Wow. Okay. Regardless, but, as at Florida State as an institution within the NCAA, they act within the same kind of okay. rules within all, all the. I mean, it's it's very much PR at okay. this point. And, and uh, well taken. But I guess my point is with all these people that are on the talk show radios, like Paul Feinbaum, who's you know twice my age, and I'm 112. Uh, uh, really came down hard on him. And I said, what? wow. And this before I realized what he what he actually had done. And I'm saying, you know what? Sometimes there's something in business, and I've been in sales for 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 a ton called an easy sale where you basically don't have to push the client and say please buy and have to do, do all the bells and whistles it sells itself so it's an easy sale and just raking the dough so uh, what's happening in the media these uh, guys that talk for for a living which we do in here but we didn't get paid for it but um <laughs> You talk for a little. Sit back, and this is an easy sell. Come down hard on Jameis Winston. Come down hard on Jameis Winston. And, and you know, so you sit back in your ivory tower, and you, and, you just, and you crucify the guy. I just think that is so hypocritical because then you sit up there and say, "Hey, you know, Monique Davis is on the cover, and rah 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 for the for the little thing, the, the little league coverage. All that was on for seven straight days for eight hours a day. I don't, you know, come on, man. When, when can we let youth be youth? And I think that's a problem when you're pushing youth. To become go, coach, go. our stars, and, and, and <laughs> so I just think that it bothers me to easy, easy sell. I think it's hypocritical, and and so I'm like, I don't think he shouldn't have got suspended. I think he should let us play. I don't well, know. I think in a way, not necessarily to to put it too much towards the NFL, which we're going to get into with Dave. Right. But all this stuff that's happening, maybe it can can be a good thing and can change everyone's perspective and realize, hey, these are just kids playing sports. These are just people who are really, really talented at this really specific thing right. that we love to watch right. and everyone loves to partake in. Right. But they're still just regular people. Right. You want and to they're going to make regular mistakes. You just, you just, you just gave me an idea, you, uh, DC. Watch this tie-in. You sit up here, and I remember when there was a guy named uh, Shortstop for the, um, this is when I first heard it, back in the day for uh, San Diego Padres, Mickey uh, Tettleton, I can't think what his name was. Mm. Anyway, he made an all-star, he, he, was, he didn't make the all-star team by the, by the fan vote, and he said, well, if I ain't starting, I ain't departing. And so it meaning he wasn't going as an alternate or as a substitute. And, and, and the media action was, you know what, the guy is rich, but that doesn't make him smart. And uh, so now you have and the same thing with athletes like Jameis Winston. He's a talented athlete. He can throw the ball the length of the field. 
And um, uh, but that does not make him smart or mature, you see. And now you, you, you can extrapolate out and, and, and deal with the NFL. You had the NFL and uh, uh, Goodell and how they just butchered the Ray Rice thing from the from the get go. You can up there and say, you know, you look at them and say, OK, they have all the money. They have all the access. But that does not make them necessarily smart as it relates to this subject. I I think a, a good portion of why they aren't smart and why Jameis Winston isn't smart at this point is because the institution of football and the people that put these things on coddle the individuals and cover Thank up you. small things. I mean, like jumping on a table. If if this was ignored, it's like, oh, well, he's just, he's just a sophomore. It's fine. Absolutely. These sort of things build upon themselves, and then it, it leaves you with man children with lots of money in the NFL that don't have they're, – they're not mature individuals. So okay. they act out in ways, and they feel it's going to be covered up for. That's well, a great point. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead, DC. Yeah, but i got to follow up on that. What are we going to cover up? Are we going to cover up the crab legs incident? Or, or maybe saying a bad word, or, or just something minor, like someone stayed out too late, but, or some, some, someone might have missed a class or something. Some things that are small that, yes, every other kid does at some point. Not every other kid, I know some people never have. But still, some <laughs> things that are just inherently uh, what kids do and what people do when you're in college and just growing up. Or... Yep. You, we can look over like that stuff, but you can't bunch that in with, oh, well, you know, he had a DUI, but whatever, he's just a kid. No, that's not a kid thing. Right. Good tie-ins on both on what both you guys are saying because are you is he being pub, is he being punished just like they did they backtracked on Peterson and Hardy and all those guys leave that alone, but is he being punished because you have to pacify the media because there are ways that he could be punished. Within the Florida the Florida State football uh, uh, team, and uh, that's one. Mm-hmm. And then to follow up with what you're saying, DC, you better believe what he just did jumping on the table. And what I, again, I don't know the language he used or what he said, but that of, of those 85 cats that are on that team on scholarship plus the plus the 15 walk-ons, you better believe there's some stuff going on, class missing, uh, some some fights at the dorm that aren't being publicized. And, and, and but to your point, Mark, mm-hmm. you can discipline that without it going to the media and saying, Mr. Half the Clinton. He can run that he can run that stadium up and down for twenty five times. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can punish them within the within the organization, within uh uh the uh the family of the football team. And it doesn't have to leak out the media and you say, we took care of I, I would like a coach to say we took care of this internally. I mean whether whether it whether it was suspension or another thing, it's going to get out because the media needs right. needs this sort of thing as fodder to keep things up right. twenty four hours a day. True. It's going to happen one right. way or the other. But the coach could have said, "Hey, look, we have, we we have discipline in place within our house, and we have taken care of the media." He's starting against Clemson, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, so but anyway, he's out in Clemson. <laughs> if I'm Clemson, well, that's another story. We are we are up against a break here. We are going to be back, uh, and we're going to talk with Slam Magazine uh, and just watch radio. Thank you. One. Don't move. Dave Zirin will be right back with more Edge of Sports Radio. You're listening to Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. Welcome back. Nicely done, DC. That is that is very mellow. I like that. I like that. (laughs) Fantasia is actually a... Done in the Sirius XM Studios. Is that right? DC Hip Hop Group. Rolls so much smoother without him, if you know what I'm saying. Anyway, welcome back to Edge of Sports. <laughs> I'm Coach McNutt here, and for for Dave, who's going to join us later on, Mark Barry and mm-hmm. DC Dana here. Our first guest, senior editor of Slam Magazine. Everybody knows about Slam, one of the best ones out there. He is Savi Torsky. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. You write for Slam Magazine. 
That's <laughs> basketball. That's this is the magazine of the hood. What's your nick nick nickname? You gotta have one. Everybody has a nickname. <laughs> T Money. How'd you get that nickname? Oh, well, my first, uh, you know, my first initial is T, and uh, you know, my jump shot was always money coming up. Oh, here we go. <laughs> now you gonna tell me you got game, huh? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying ask the other media members who they want to run point for them. All right. First question. Here's the first. My first question. <laughs> sure. Okay. We routed everybody in the World Cup. We won the games by 28 uh, on average, and we didn't even have our first team. No Melo, LeBron, Kevin Durant, Paul George. So we did it with a second, third team. Why are we playing? Is it a thump chesting thing? Is it jingoism? Why aren't we sending the college kids? Or am I off base here? I hear that. Well, let me let me get the first point though. Is I think we sent our first team from the 2020 Olympics out there. You know, this is our future we sent out there, and this was some good seasoning for them, you know, in my opinion. Get the guys some experience, get the guys, you know, some tutelage on the Coach K, just throw them out there into the fire and kind of see how they do. See if these guys are ready to take over for the Mellows and the KDs and the LeBrons, none of whom have committed to the next games, really. Mm-hmm. Mark Berry here. Uh, looking back at this World Cup team that really is definitely the future, like you mentioned, three of the biggest stories uh, coming out of that is Derrick Rose and his recovery. You have Anthony Davis out there just being nuts. And uh, I, I I like both of those. I, what what uh, I'll pick I'll pick Anthony Davis is the the, the story is that he's going to be the third best player in the NBA maybe this year. Uh, is he far off from that or is he a couple years away? He's there. I mean, I think Anthony Davis is ready. The question is, you know, can he stay healthy? Can the kids stay healthy? I mean, we love him at Slam. Kind of, I got to watch him for the first time as a senior in high school. Went to see him play a couple times at Kentucky, and he has all the game. He just, it's a matter of his brittle bones, you know? He was hurt uh, rookie year. He was hurt last year. You know, when he plays, he's a menace, but we got to keep him off the sideline. One question I have for you, Svi, and thanks again for joining us on Edge of Sports, is another guy who had just a fantastic tournament, Kenneth Fareed. Uh, How much did he help himself in terms of his stock in the NBA, be it trade value or possibly a next contract at at some point in his career? Or was that more product uh, or byproduct of the fact that no other country really knows how to produce anything but a one and a five? Right. Well, it's funny, you know, everyone's acting as if, like, this is this big revelation, like, Ken Free can play. But, like, he was in the All-Star game two years ago, right? You know, like, it's not like all of a sudden he kind of showed up and showed out. You know, he's been there. Um, that setting, you know, we discuss this in the office all the time. I discuss this with Ben Osborne, the editor-in-chief here, and we just say a lot of his, the hype and the stats, seeing him play this summer was a byproduct kind of the way the games were. I don't know how much you watch, but it kind of, when you have so much talent around you, you know, if you're the fourth or fifth best guy on the court, you know, it makes you look a lot better. You know what I'm saying? So if he goes back to Denver and he ends up being, you know, relied upon, that's a much different position to be in than to be on the court with Kyrie and Steph and DeMarcus, you know? Well, I guess a little follow-up to that is that pretty much everyone, it seems like, after their first summer, first big uh, big tournament with uh, USA Basketball, Seems to have a big jump or big improvement. Could we expect something like that from him? Or is it something, as you said, where it was just because he was playing with all these other great players? Or could we see a big jump in his game? Yeah, I mean, how much do we want him to improve? You know, like, look at his game. The guy's like a you know a 15-10 and 10 type guy. I don't think his offensive output can get much better than that. He just doesn't really have too many go-to moves, and he is a little bit smaller. And, you know, rebounding, is he ever going to get more than 10, 11 boards? I don't think so. But maybe he'll be more efficient out there. Maybe he can do it in less minutes. You know, maybe he can run the pick and roll a little better. He learned that out there this summer. 
And, you know, just the locker room presence, the things you pick up from being with other great players, the work habits you develop, I think he's going to take all that stuff back with him and kind of, like, impart that upon his teammates. You know, you, you know, T-Money, I see him as a marginal talent uh, that is just maxing out on effort, tenacity, will. Uh, he just he just, he just won't quit. He's relentless. I'm, I'm with and you. I, and, I, and, and I'm glad he's in the league. I remember watching him in college. Uh, I was worried about him transitioning because of his size to the next level. I don't see he as a go-to shot or anything, but I just see a heart that is big as they come in the, in the NBA. Um, I, I want you to come in on that. But, and I also, um, you know, we're here in D.C. based, so I'm a Kevin Durant guy. But my third favorite player, along with LeBron and Kevin, is uh, Kyrie Irving. And I want your take on Kyrie Irving and uh, also talk about uh, Fareed's uh, intensity. Okay, yeah. Well, firstly, yeah, that's a talent in and of itself, just being able to, not only get it up every game you're out there, but kind of take it to the next level. You know, if you're in playing in March, you know, and your team's already kind of ahead of the pack or behind the pack, like how do you get up, you know, playing against Minnesota on a snowy night? Most guys don't know how to do that. And it's, it's, not, a, it's not an innate thing. Like that's a learned skill. Most guys can't get it and Ken has it and he's always had it. And that is what makes him special, like you were saying. But I, I give him credit for that as a talent. Like, as much as shooting is a talent or as much as hops is a talent, like he has the talent of always being out there, giving it his all. Most dudes cannot do that. So I give him a lot of credit for that. And, yeah, like we were saying, I don't think he's going to necessarily improve so much more, but, you know, he's already at a pretty good place. Like name three or four power forwards who are better than him. And that's pretty hard to do already at this point. And, and Kyrie. Yeah, I mean, as for Kyrie, look, you know, I spent time with Kyrie two summers ago. I think he's a good kid. I think he's a great player, special handles, special ability to finish with both hands. I do think, and I think LeBron's going to help with this, sometimes he does kind of get out there and gets a little bit impressed with himself, you know, starts fancying his own handles, starts kind of being in awe of himself for hitting four or five, you know, trays in a row. But I think having LeBron with him, having Kevin with him is going to take his game to the next level. And even if his stats don't jump, his efficiency is going to jump and just his overall leadership is going to jump. You know, he's still such a young kid. You know, he didn't really play a full year of college ball. So I think this year you could definitely watch out to see what he does. Hmm. Uh, looking forward to the next uh, NBA season. The the biggest season of the offseason right now is the Atlanta Hawks and the Danny Ferry owner kind of conundrum at this point. We've got an indefinite suspension for Danny Ferry. And my question is just mainly mainly on the court. Is this going to be something that affects the team going into the season? Or is this going to be something we just look back on as a story that's kind of a has-been? Yeah, I uh, neither really. I don't think it's going to affect them right now because their roster is already formed, their coach is there. I think it affects them more in the future. If he hangs around, like Carmelo Anthony was saying, who kind of signs with them? You know, who... Who wants to go out there and play for a GM who, whether he respects you or not, would say something like that? You know, who who wants to play out there? Carmelo said that. But the reason I don't think it affects him this year is, and I was talking to players on the current roster, he said, look, whether the guy owns the team or not, you know, we already have our contracts for this year. We're not really playing for him. We're kind of playing for our fans. And if anything, you know, it's only going to help kind of like the core fans show support for their guys, not for the ownership, but for their guys. They're going to want to show that, you know, everything this guy said was wrong. Hmm. Yeah, that, that, that absolutely makes sense. Okay, this is something that it may be absolutely just for me. Uh, the big story in the Kevin Love trade was Love coming to Cleveland, becoming a super team. I like I take a look at Minnesota and that young kind of base that they have there. You've got Rubio, Wiggins, uh, Bennett, and Young as kind of the core on that. You've also got the uh, really a- athletic Zach Levine coming in through the draft. Are they just an exciting team, or is there are they a team that could actually kind of put something together this year? 
I was going to say, don't forget Big Pekovich. Don't forget Shabazz, who totally, you know, kind of wasn't there last year. They just signed Glenn Robinson, their second-round pick. You know, they got the big center who showed out last year from Louisville. Yeah, look, I don't think Minnesota's going to win a lot of games this year, but they'll be fun to watch. You know, if I had to pick, you know, six league pass teams to watch, they're right up there. They're right up there. Is there a team that had a really good offseason that no one's really talking about that you think might be able to surprise some people, at least right out of the gate? Yeah, I mean, obviously a lot of people are talking about the Chicago Bulls, so I'll skip that. But I like New Orleans a lot. I like them a lot. You know, Anthony Davis, you know, everyone's talking about him being the third best player in the league. So as long as he stays healthy, I kind of agree with that assessment. Then you pair him next to Omar Ashik, which means Anthony doesn't have to take that banging of going against the centers. You know, that takes a lot of pressure off him. Throw out a healthy Drew Holiday, Tyreek Evans, you know, Ryan Anderson is supposedly back playing again. I think that they have a nice young core that will surprise a lot of people, and I definitely see them in the playoffs. Uh, I want to – you mentioned Chicago. Um, tell me something. What, I'm, what I was watching and what I was hearing uh, sounded a little disingenuous, what I was hearing. And what I was watching was a little concerning as it relates to Rose. Um, are they just taking them slowly, or is there what's is the scuttlebutt the underground saying that this knee thing is not right? Tell me what's 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 going on. Truth is, um, I got someone plugged into Chicago, and they're not really worried about it at all. They said like you know just the way the system, the same way it made Farid look great, it doesn't necessarily cater to Rose's game. So you can't take so much away from what you saw, but the fact that he was able there to play every night, play back to backs, kind of looked like he had some quickness, even if he wasn't finishing like we're used to. I don't think there's too much to get worried about. That said, like, let's see him stay healthy before we say the Bulls are, you know, giving the Cleveland Cavaliers a run, you know? We're coming up towards the end of this interview. Thanks again for your time. Really appreciate it. So, real quick, before we wrap up, I know it's early. You can amend it as the season goes on or we get closer to regular season, but early favorite for the title. Pick uh, maybe top two. Uh, I got to go with the San Antonio Spurs. Um, you know, they got the core back. Um, if they sign Michael Beasley, which would be an absolutely crazy story, and Coach Popovich can turn him around, that would only make them that much better. So I really think you can't take anything away from the Spurs. And, you know, out of the East, I like the Cleveland Cavaliers. LeBron right now is untouchable. Kevin Love, though I think his stats are inflated, I think he's going to be a perfect complement. And Kyrie and this big three is better than the Miami Heat big three everywhere. Hey, thanks a lot. Hey, T-Money. Yes, sir. Torsky. Uh, thank you very much. How can people reach out to Slam Magazine, reach out to you? Yeah, well, everyone. the best way to get to me is I'm always responding to everyone on Twitter, and that's at T-T-W-E-R-S-K-Y, T-Twersky, and Slam Magazine. I mean, you can ask Slam online. We're replying to fans all day. You can send us an email, trashtalk at harris-pub.com, and anything that comes our way, Facebook, Twitter, we handle it. Man, T-Money, thanks a lot, buddy. Friend thank of the program, we're going to get you back. Thank you very much, man. Have a great day. Okay, this is Edge of Sports Radio. We'll be back right after this message. Dave Zirin will continue with Edge of Sports Radio after the break. Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. We are back. Edge of Sports Radio. I'm Coach McNutt, Mark Berry, D.C. Dan in the house here. Our guest who's... Well, he's a guest now, but usually he's our host and commandant and bullying us and tell us how good he is. But uh, he's away on assignment, <laughs> whatever that means. Hey, uh, Dave Zirin is with us. Hey, Dave. 
boom. Because <laughs> I got enough to go around. Oh, man. And it all takes place uptown. There you go. How you guys doing? How you fellas doing? Wait, 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 wait. Another, another word for on assignment, Coach? You yeah. know what another word for an on assignment is? What? Staying in Jim Brown's house in the Hollywood Hills for seven days. I understand. And you know what he is to me. I am so jealous of that. And uh, we we, we can talk about that a little later on. First things first, though, I got to tell you, our last segment, we had T-Money on from Slam Magazine. And Mm -hmm. off air, you know, you get on me, you know, because I tell how how horrible a player you were as a 5'9 center in the Bronx back in the day. But anyway, so I talked to T Money. I said, T, when the guys get together at Slam, can my boy Dave play any ball? He fell out laughing. I mean, so I I have never look. They're all New Yorkers right now. I'm in D.C. And let me tell you something. If you ask that question to the folks on the badass courts of Tacoma Park, Maryland, they would have their own answer to that question. I've been compared to Kevin Durant, a shorter, uh, more, a shorter version, slightly less ups, but a better jump shot. That's usually what people say when they compare me to Kevin Durant. You need to accept the fact that I am Lamar Mundane. If you remember the old Nike commercial, you remember that? Yes, I do. I shoot like a guy. Remember? Shoots from the foul line, everybody shouting, lay up, lay up. <laughs> and then 25 feet, arms extended in the air, I shoot like a god. Lamar Mundane. That's me, the Jewish Lamar Mundane. Anyway, here we go. I'm going to open up for you. Another, I'm going to throw you another softball here. Adrian Peterson, NFL, Roger Goodell in the Witness Protection Program. What say you? Roger Goodell is in Dick Cheney's bunker right now. I mean, I think well, this is absolute, ridiculous, horrific public relations, relations ass coverage. Everybody gets to look at Adrian Peterson. He's the new big bad guy. The NFL is pushing this image forward. The sponsors are mad about it. The Vikings are serious about it. I mean, you've got corporations like Nike, which practices child labor, making statements against child abuse. You've got McDonald's, which is responsible for untold numbers of child obesity talking about child abuse. You've got Anheuser-Busch with their legacy of crimes, talking about the need to be moral leaders and wanting the NFL to be moral leaders. Then you've got the NFL running after their sponsors, yipping after them, the same way the NBA did the same thing when the sponsors started leaving the Clippers. And meanwhile, Adrian Peterson gets pushed forward as the big bad guy. And the problem I have with this, let's forget about Adrian Peterson, the individual, and let's talk about this, this incredible... PR overload on Greg Hardy, Adrian Peterson, Ray Rice. One of the things it's doing is it's creating a black face as the face of domestic violence in this country and of child abuse. And that's just, A, that's not accurate. And B, what it does is it actually makes us stupider about these horrific things. And there's no comment about the fact that all of this is about Roger Goodell trying to save his own $44 million a year job. That's like he's going into the bunker, he's letting the media do his dirty work, and he's going to reemerge like the Kraken in the Clash of the Titans movies, ready to breathe fire over everyone, and then he'll get all of this stroking and applause because now the NFL takes domestic violence seriously. And frankly, the entire charade is one I am not willing to play. So are you saying that Goodell's going to survive this? I'm saying his strategy, obviously, is to survive this. I don't think in any way, shape, or form it's guaranteed that he'll survive it. I think it's very much an open question, particularly if when Ray Rice, I think one of the key things is going to be when Ray Rice appeals uh, his suspension. Because one of the things, the reasons why Roger Goodell said explicitly that the suspension was going to happen was because Ray Rice lied to him about what happened in the elevator. 
Ravens owner Steve Bishotti and Ozzie Newsom, not to mention the police, all say that Ray Rice did not lie. So if there is enough attendance publicity that shows Roger Goodell to be the cover-up artist that he is, then he may not survive. But currently, his game plan right now is straight from the Olivia Pope handbook. I mean, they are in scandal mode, and they are trying to make sure that he survives. And the reason why his survival is so important is that he is the ownership. I mean, Roger Goodell is like the test tube baby of the 31 NFL owners. He's been with the league 32 years. He represents them to a profound degree. And so them saving him is really, I think, psychologically about them saving themselves. Hey, hey, Dave. Real quick question. I mean, this is Mark Barry. Yes, this this is Mark Barry. Mark, before yes. you say anything, okay, I want to say that I am legitimately worried about you because I have sent you like fifteen hours of interviews with Jim Brown. Yeah, you and did. Jim Brown is a is a genius, but he also, I mean, his his thinking is shockingly sharp. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable the way he thinks about things. I learned so much being in his presence. He also speaks in an incredibly low mumble. And I'm scared to death you're going to lose your mind trying to transcribe these things. I'm at mild panic attacks. So, I mean, I'm, 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 way, I'm way below, like, freaking out at this point. So it'll, it'll totally be fine. Getting to the actual question, in a broader sense, the NFL, they put themselves up as an immoral arbiter in terms of personal conduct and things like this. And you have the kind of the, the question of, in, in the legal process, whether if someone is arrested or accused of one thing or another, they're either suspended or they're allowed to let the legal proce- proceedings occur and then, there's, and then they're punished afterwards, which could be years later at this point. What role does the NFL yeah. have in terms of arbiting the, these sort of personal <laughs> conduct things, especially in domestic violence? That's the $64,000 question. And I'll tell you the answer I've come to on this. It's that whatever the answer is, we need to do away with the personal conduct policy, and it needs to be collectively bargained with the Players Association. So it's clear and it's transparent, because the biggest problem with it is exactly what you said, Mark, is that it's willy-nilly. It's like for one team, oh, you're kicked off right away at an arrest. For another team, oh, we're going to let the legal system do its course. Uh, big news comes out and all the sponsors get scared. I mean, it's, it's not fair to the players. It's not fair to any sense of what we would regard as, as justice, and it's not fair to, frankly, to anybody who sees himself as an employee in this country. And so I would like to see them collectively bargain a plan. Now, what should that plan be? Should it be the kind of thing where the NFL says, and this is something that Sally Jenkins has argued in the Washington Post, she's argued like, look, the NFL is not a family court. Let the courts do their jobs. And if a player is arrested, then they're obviously in jail and they're off the field. And, you know, it should be like Hollywood. You know, if you're available to be in a movie, you're in the damn movie. You know, it's like it's like just get the NFL out of all law and order, criminal proceedings, all whatsoever. There's another school of thought that says the NFL, you know, it's a public company, not public in terms of like a, like publicly traded, but it's public in terms of it's very image conscious. It has to be. And it has the right, like NBC News would, to suspend people, sanction people if they feel your ESPN, to use a more uh, piquant example, to suspend people if they're hurting the brand, for lack of a better term. But if they want to have a plan that says if you hurt the brand, you're suspended, or if you're, we're not a family court, I think that stuff needs to be collectively bargained because what we have now is it's revealing the moral vacuum of letting Roger Goodell be the moral arbiter because you're seeing how much of it depends on public relations and how little of it depends on a set of principles. That's why 
Hannah Storm's statement has gone so viral where she just said, what does the NFL stand for? I mean, it's a very powerful question because once you start to answer it, you start really, really, really getting into an ugly place where you see how the sausages are truly made. Wow. Uh, another question. Uh, I mean, in terms By the way, I'll, ask you, I'll ask you the same question. Okay. I mean, do you agree with my answer or do you think the NFL should, like, do you think there's something definite that you see that the NFL should do? around these cases i i don't know i I think it's a big question i think that until these kind of like existential uh crises in terms of videos and bannings and things like this we've been all too okay with having a suspension here there here or there four games here not here and it's it's this event that's making us all kind of question whether we should have believed that in the first place and now we're all absolutely just kind of grasping at straws i don't i don't think we have any idea and I, th- I think that that's huge. And that's why it's, it's also good. That's why, and this goes against everything Roger Goodell believes, but that's why it's also good business for him to collectively bargain something with the union because it would actually give him a degree of cover when these things come up, the same way it does with drugs. I mean, people were furious about the Josh Gordon suspension, but to a degree that uh, fury was muted because Roger Goodell was able to say, or I should say his, um, you know, his backers in the media were able to say, well, you know, it might not seem fair, but it actually follows the protocol of what's in place and collectively bargain. And that muted the, I thought, should have been attendant outrage from getting such a suspension. So you see the issue. If you get something collectively bargained, it actually gives you a framework that you can explain to the public and it puts a whole wide swath of people in the position of having to defend it, not just Roger Goodell. Dave, um, you mentioned Sally Jenkins, um, and um, I'm going to read this paragraph from an article. I know you read it already because you brought it up. But it's the irony of Goodell's policy is that it actually is an implicit slur on NFL players, stereotyping them mm-hmm. as wanton marauders incapable of self-governance, and it positions them as guilty boys standing before the schoolmaster with a stick. Here is a most powerful statement of it all. The nasty little secret of the NFL is that the men who run the game don't think very highly of the men who play it. What say you? Oh, we know this already. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've heard story, and I've been talking about this for years. For years, I've called Roger Goodell Commissioner Kipling, mm-hmm. as in Rudyard Kipling, white man's burden, treating the players uh, like, you know, somehow it's his job to civilize the savage beasts who are in front of him. I think it's highly racialized. I mm-hmm. think he acts like he's Mr. Drummond from different strokes. And it's part wow. of a way that you sell a 70% African-American league uh, to what is still a majority white audience. I mean, one of the, had, and not to mention sponsors and all the rest of it, and executives all who tend to be white as well. It's like you, you try to give them the illusion that, you, that you're keeping everybody in check and in place. The problem is that the majority of NFL players are actually incredibly disciplined. Yep. Uh, decent people. Yep. And so what that what does that mean? It means that they're offended. That's why, as Goodell has been in trouble through this, you've heard NFL players just laughing their butts off, taunting him openly. Mm-hmm. And I'm not surprised that that's happened. Because one of the reasons, because we saw that before the 2011 lock, um, the lockout ended when Goodell was going to training camps to explain his position. And he was being openly mocked by players. They were already hating him back then. And that, to me, is reason alone why he should be gone. So, no, I agree with Sally Jenkins on that entirely, and I keep going back to I don't want to reveal my source on this, 
but I keep going back to a time during the negotiations between the NFL and the NFL Players Association before the last contract. And one of the things that someone on, in the NFL Players Association put forward was the idea of giving the NFLPA, and in other words, the players, a stake in club ownership. Because so many of the teams were like, well, we won't show you our books, but we're losing money. And so NFLPA said, okay, well, why don't, we'll, we'll buy some of it from you then. And, and we'll be true partners. We'll lose the money when you lose money. We'll make it when we make it. And a certain owner said, we don't want to be in business with the likes of you. And it just is like, who are the likes of us? Right. right. And it's this idea of, you know, I, I'm, I'm definitely not a person who throws around this metaphor lightly. But I hear enough people who talk, who use phrases like plantation mentality to describe how owners look at players to dismiss it. Because even if I don't like the comparisons because of the insane crime that was the transatlantic slave trade in this country and think it's a phrase that's over the top, even with that, you have to look at why players would even use that phrase or feel that way in the first place. Right. You have to understand why it conjures those emotions. Right. DZ, we're up against a break here. Um, look, when you come back next week, I'm going to share with my pain for the black face that's going on here with all this, as you mentioned earlier, I have a... It's from the heart. So we're going to talk about that next week. And, and I need your oh, time on that one. Please. Um, no, no, no. I can't wait. My brother, be good. And we'll see you next week. Up because of break here. Uh, we'll be back. All right. Edge of Sports Radio. Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. We'll return after this. Edge of Sports Radio returns. Here's Dave Zirin. We're back. to we'll wrap up the show. This is... Uh, Coach Kevin McNutt, along with Mark Berry and DC Dan, and we just heard from Dave. <laughs> boom and <laughs> boom, yeah, boom indeed. And Dave on a, on, a, on a roll as always. Listen, one thing we haven't talked about: getting back on the on the playing field, which is <laughs> which uh, a lot of injuries taking place. Guys, I mm-hmm. mean, guys going down left and right. Um, uh, you know, star players: uh, Jamal Charles, uh, RG three, obviously. AJ Green uh, too. AJ Green missing games, and no. not only is it killing us fantasy wise, just. <laughs> Turning some of their teams going on. What? Is, is it it's that sixteen-game schedule, man. Too I hear long. you, but these and, and, Cut and, it this down. Set, and this is, I mean, and this is week two. Is almost like an all-star collection of uh, all-pro team has gone down. What, 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 what comments? I, 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 th- I think there are going to be people out there blaming the new collective bargaining agreement for the 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 lack of hitting that goes on in uh, in kind of preseason training camp and things like that. Mm. I don't know. It's like I wouldn't argue necessarily for that. I, I think that. Not going doing that in the preseason is going to help you not get injured during right. that, but I, I can definitely see Mike Ditka out there saying that. Oh, so, yeah. I don't know. I yeah. think there, there's definitely a narrative there. Injuries happen. Right. I don't. I don't think it's any more than normal. Maybe in terms of the profile players and how quickly it's ha- and just getting injured early on. But I'm sure if you looked at the numbers, it would be pretty much the same. Anytime there's a discussion like. Like injuries in sports, everyone points. Oh, it's so much more than ever, but it's really, it's really not. Well, maybe it's because it's, it's, it's wide receivers and running backs, which are yeah, <laughs> the that, key to fantasy going on there. But you make a good point because it seems to me, and, and you guys jump in on this, that during uh, exhibition season, preseason, whatever they call it, that the stars played less and less than I've ever seen them play. Like you know, a couple of downs. Everybody said the game three is a rehearsal. They didn't play longer than that. Maybe that has something to do with it. They're not getting I mean, the hips. I wouldn't reps. necessarily toss up injury to a lack of playing in the preseason. But what you, ca- I mean, 
it, it happens. It's kind of freaking nature in terms of injuries. I, I don't think they're any more or less, but I think just it has to do with the fact that we know more about right. it. We That's know true. everything. If someone stubs their toe, we know about Great it point. because Adam Schefter, Chris Morrison, a hundred different people are telling Twitter, us about it. Whereas, that was a good uh, tweet by Schefter about that stubbed toe. Yeah. <laughs> so when it used to happen in the past, no one really heard about it. Right, right. Well, anyway, that's 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 just, that's the show, guys. For DC Dan, Mark Berry, myself, uh, uh, with T Money who checked in, and David, obviously, this is Edge of Sports Radio. And- Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Tune in next week and go to edgeofsports.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.